Hi, everyone. Uh, before we start, I just wanted to note one item. Uh, a few days after we recorded this episode, Disney actually came out and announced the opening of Galaxy's Edge. So it's going to be opening May 31st at Disneyland and August 29th at Disney World. Uh, with a slight twist in that only one ride, the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, will be open on opening day. Um, so when we recorded this, we didn't know what the opening day was, so we were speculating a little bit. So if you're wondering as you're listening to this episode why we didn't mention that news, that's why. Now on with the show. Enchanted Ears podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. And sometimes we smell really, really good in the aromatherapy candles as we're recording. I'm Angela. <laughs> and I'm Joe. <laughs> if you're, if you sound unsure about that. Are you Joe? I am Joe. Are you sure? Yes. If Angela's voice sounds a little bit off, she's getting over a cold. Yeah. So if, if you hear a little bit of crackles oh, yeah. this week, but... Yeah. I'm going to be Angela, ho- maybe quieter. Are you ready for this? <laughs> legal we allowed to play this we are now we're talking star wars this week so this week very exciting week i really like i don't say this every week but we got a great show this week no you totally don't say that i don't i haven't said it for the past two or three weeks so i can i can confidently say i do not say it every week but we are talking star wars galaxy's edge this week about a week ago Deep dive. about a week ago they had to me it was a surprise i don't know maybe some other people had known this was coming but it seemed to be a surprise media preview so all the major news outlets were at disneyland for like a three-day um kind of tour and preview of the land at disneyland at star wars galaxy's edge they tasted the food saw the animatronics got to tour the construction site and the rides and just a ton of articles have been out um, over this. So the the kind of main article, you know, Entertainment Weekly had um, kind of a huge deep dive mm-hmm. into it. That's where a lot of the stuff I kind of saw came from. But yeah, Disney put out articles. Yeah, Starwars.com. D23, Starwars.com. Put Travel out Travel and Leisure uh, had articles. So we kind of... So we kind of mashed up all of those articles. Those were our, our sources and we, we just took all that information, put it in one. So if you want to know even more information, I mean, obviously we could not possibly cover everything. Um, check out those articles because they're all really great and informative. Right. And and what I was surprised about is, I mean, they they really go into a lot of details. So, I mean, if, if you don't want to know everything that's going to happen, and, and granted, I'm sure, you know, I know this isn't everything, you know, because everything wasn't done yet. Nobody actually rode the rides, but I mean, there's a lot of detail of what to expect. You know, some of the the story beats of the ride, some of the characters we're going to meet. So if you don't necessarily want to know all of that and you want to experience it for yourself, um, by all means, wait. I imagine a lot of people like me, I was excited to hear about this because I kind of figure I'm not going to get in one opening day and two, it's going to be so crowded for a long time. That's probably going to be a while till I get there. Mm-hmm. But after reading all this stuff, 
I am now trying to plan a trip a lot sooner than I would have anticipated. Yeah, Joe said to me the other day, Angela, we have to go to Disney next year. Like, it's we just have to. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't know about it. And then I started reading these articles, doing the research for this. And I immediately afterward um, told Joe that I agree that we need to go. So I'm a person that doesn't like spoilers. Um, Reading these articles and reading this and hearing this information does not ruin a thing for me. In fact, it just stokes my interest in it. And I'm, I mean, you're definitely in our relationship. I lo- I like star Wars a lot, but you're definitely the bigger star Wars fan. Yeah. And I would say I'm not even, yeah. And you're not even a, a you, huge fan where I know all of, you know, I don't watch all the animated series or read all the, the novels kind of in between. I kind of follow the main movies that come out and I know that, but I'm definitely a huge fan of that. I will say to kind of your point, that it's just stoked your interest more. I think this is a brilliant move by Disney. I mean, Bob Iger joked at the conference call maybe a month ago or so um, to investors that, you know, they may not do any marketing. He may just tweet out one day, hey, it's open, and just let that be the marketing. And you know, he said, I, I've pressured the marketing guys to cut their budget. And I mean, really, they, they invited a handful of journalists out mm-hmm. to a couple of days event really gave them a lot of great access and they wrote all these articles. And like I said, I wasn't planning on going next year, you know, because Disneyland is going to open probably sometime in June of this year, Disney world, maybe September, maybe November, kind of late fall. I wasn't really planning on going next year because I figured it's going to be so crowded. But after reading these articles, I'm kind of like, I want to go next year. I'm willing to maybe fight a six hour you're going to fight a granny for this. <laughs> fight a granny. <laughs> um, like Captain Marvel punching grannies. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm w- I may be willing to fight, you know, five hours in line to ride some of this stuff and to experience this because um, it, it may be worth it. So, again, I mean, very little marketing dollars on their cost. And it's just, you know, stoking the flames of anticipation even more. Yeah, so exactly. So I, I think it's a, a I, great I mean, move. I think that it sounds – I know that – I don't know if I've ever mentioned, I probably have mentioned this on the podcast before, but whenever I step foot into um, Harry Potter world, I, in, in Universal Studios, I cried. Like I literally cried and you looked at me and you said, Angela, why are you crying? And I said, some author dreamt this up and now it's real. Um, this sounds like it is, I mean, not, I'm not dissing Hogwarts. It's amazing. But, and, but this just sounds like it's so much more of a deep dive into the universes and the people who even toured made comments that, you know, it well, wasn't even They made comments that people will yet. cry. The grown men will cry. Well, yeah, but it's not even finished yet. And people were saying it was still It's taking to another world. Exactly. Yeah. They said that, you know, they were, I think you told me that they were wearing, you know, hard hats and things like that. And these people were still saying that they felt like they were in Star Wars. Yeah. And, and initially when I, when I had, read about what had come out and the detail they had, I kind of told you, I think this thing may open sooner than people are anticipating because if they're this far along that they're letting media in and, you know, kind of doing these secret tours. Um, but then as I read more, it did sound like they're, they're still kind of deep into construction, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're, they're talking a June timeframe for Disneyland that if sometime in May, maybe May 4th, may the 4th be with you. Oh my gosh, it'll be perfect. That it just, magically opens up that day um because it seems like that they're they're pretty far ahead but i want to go back to one point you made about um harry potter so with universal and that's 
I mean, if you can point to any reason why we have Galaxy's Edge now, um, you can draw that line directly back to Universal getting Harry Potter mm-hmm. over Disney. And that's, that whole story is kind of a, a story for another episode. But what's interesting, and, and I think what will make Galaxy's Edge interesting is they're continuing to make new material in Star Wars. Yeah. So Harry Potter, that came out, um, all the movies weren't out yet, but all the books had been written. Now, we do have Fantastic Beasts, but... Yeah, I mean, the but, universe is still expanded outward a little but bit. But that world is built Harry it's little, Potter. It's a little more insular. Harry Potter's done. They're not writing any more Harry Potter stories. Whereas Star Wars, we have Episode Nine coming out this year. There's uh, the Disney play, uh, Mandalorian show. There's talks of uh, one or two other movie sequels, potentially. Isn't, um, the, oh, wait, you said Disney. I'm sorry, you said Disney play. I yeah. Was- Disney Disney Plus. So, you know, there's talks of, of other movie sequels. And so there's that universe is expanding and they purposely built Black Spire Outpost and uh, Batu, which is the the home of Galaxy's Edge, to be a world that you could change everything. So while the major attractions are kind of set, you know, Disney Imagineering has even said everybody else in it, the stores, the people... Um, the food that can all change. That could be reset every couple years as a new storyline comes in, as a new character takes off in one of these other movies. They could very easily weave them in, and uh, you know we'll kind of talk about you know where Batu falls in the, in the universe. But they've really done a great job of tying it in to a lot of other stories throughout uh, the Star Wars canon. Yeah, it's it's exciting. So I guess kind of getting into the projects, we, we kind of talked a little bit about it, but um, some other things you know I, I thought were fascinating is it's it's a 14 acre expansion, so it's Disney's largest and expansion in both parks. I in think, both right? parks, yeah, yeah, it's essentially the exact same um, land in both parks. I think the configuration is slightly different just based on the space they had available. The layout, yeah. right? Like Disneyland has three entrances. Um, Hollywood Studios only has two, but other than that, I mean everything else is the same. But five to six thousand people have worked on this project. Disney said, mm. um, kind of. So, which I think is is pretty amazing. I mean, it's definitely huge in scope, um, and it's and it's no surprise that they had a lot of people. Right, right. And I know you know some rumors have said it that Disney's spending a billion dollars each on each land. Oh so two billion dollars in total. They'll make that back in the first year. Yeah, they will. And I mean, it, and I think that's probably a pretty accurate number after hearing, um, you know, some of the stuff that they're having and, and just seeing some of the animatronics that they're working with within Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. So kind of getting into the backstory. Um, so like we said, so it's it's Galaxy's Edge and where that name comes from is because the the planet of Batu literally sits on the edge of the galaxy. So that's where it comes from. <laughs> And then this town that you're in is called Black Spire Outpost. And they built it, and it's got its name because there is a large black spire in the middle of the town. And just as Disney does with everything, they have such in-depth backstories. And, I mean, this mm-hmm. is no exception. So they kind of, they, the Imagineers, and I don't remember which article I read this from, because, again, we've you know kind of pieced this together from a few different articles, but... One of the Imagineers says, you know, they kind of looked at it as like their Stonehenge, as, 
you know, like we see Stonehenge and we see these monoliths and they kind of mean something to us, but we uh-huh. don't know who created them, how they got there. It's a similar thing that the townspeople see this kind of black spire. And they have a reverence for it, but they don't know. But they don't know where oh, it came from. Yeah. Exactly. So that that's kind of, so that, that's why the town's that's named That's an article. That. Yeah. I don't know what article that was from because I didn't read that. Yeah. So I found that interesting. So that's just really cool. Even that has a backstory to it, but. I only found one thing that didn't have a backstory. I'm jumping ahead, but found one thing. Okay, what was that? The desserts. Okay. <laughs> like Entertainment Weekly made some comment about because they had a backstory for everything, and they're like, Disney still hasn't figured out how this fits. There's in. still time. There's still time. <laughs> yeah. So, but but roughly, um, this fits in the current trilogy timeline. So somewhere episode eight potentially episode nine. So it, it's the current timeline. You'll see uh, a lot of your characters that you know, Poe, Ray, Kylo Ren, things like that. So it, that's the timeline it fits in. So this isn't, um, you know, Luke when he was young or Anakin or anything like that. It, it's mm-hmm. the current timeline. But uh, like and I, Hans, Hans dead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Han, yeah. Hans dead. So it's definitely after seven, mm-hmm. um, but, but in that current timeline. So, what the kind of town is and it's i mean it's interesting because it's kind of as you hear about it, it's kind of like westworld where the, you know the 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 cast members have their own kind of personal backstory but they're they're given some freedom to improvise so they kind of know where they stand whether they're pro or against the first order or the resistance and they kind of know their daily jobs <laughs> but they're not allowed free reign like they can't say i'm han's second cousin or something like that so they kind of are, are given some leeway to improvise but every day they're kind of on the same loop essentially oh you know gosh. so it's kind of like westworld but the it's stuck in kind of like westworld except for you can't murder them right well yeah and they're real people it's not robots <laughs> but there will be some droids and things in there but what what the kind of idea is that the first order just came to this town a few weeks ago and set up shop because they're looking for something Okay. So I, I wait. Is one of our part of our mission to help them find whatever they're looking for? Potentially, potentially help them find or help them not find it. So, you know, Disney really didn't. I'm say, really good at not finding things, <laughs> or to prevent them from finding it. You know, oh, okay. so Disney didn't say you know what they're looking for. Um, it, it could be something tied into Episode Nine. I imagine they're probably looking for something to destroy the Jedi, some sort of ancient or raise parents. Right, maybe. I have to imagine something more because it's Kylo Ren leading the First Order. It's something a little more to tangible, do with some, not yeah, some sort of person, you know yeah. Jedi power or something like that. So they're there. So we're gonna have red stormtroopers in the oh, land. That's they're, sweet. Ca- they're called the Red Fury. So these are like stormtroopers we really haven't seen before. And there's actually gonna be a, a few new ships that they built just for the land. So the First Order they've come in on the Tie Echelon. That's going to be parked on top of a building, and the Red Fury Stormtroopers are actually going to be protecting that, so you, they don't want people getting too close to it, oh. so that way you actually can't get up and, and touch it. And then in the Rise of the Resistance ride, which we'll touch on later, um, they developed a new transport, the ITS transport. So there's there's some new, um, you know, there, there's some new ships and, and new characters in there. Working in the Star Wars universe has to be somewhat of a nightmare. I mean, I'm sure I know that there are people who have amazing, remembering how it all connects. Yes, exactly. I mean, trying not to trip over it because there's so. I mean, it's just so intricate. There's so many things, and then 
also it's not like they have super some of the things that have really memorable names are like number and letter combinations and stuff well before disney purchased them i mean lucasfilm kind of let anybody write a story about star wars so there was a lot of stuff the extended universe that when disney purchased it they said this is no longer canon um just because they they would take stories into strange directions and it, it wasn't always like the best it wasn't it always didn't make sense it always didn't connect but they kind of let those branches go and then once disney bought them they kind of cut they that all back pruned the branches yes they pruned they pruned the branches back so that stuff's expensive man pruning branches it okay. is man okay so 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 like i said so we're gonna see some new ships we're gonna see some red stormtroopers and I want to see purple stormtroopers. I don't know if they have those. They have purple lightsabers, but not purple stormtroopers. That's what color my lightsabers so, can be. Spoiler alert. And so so the first order has been there, and so all the townspeople kind of have their own opinion on it. And But now the resistance is also set up shop kind of in the outskirts of town in the forest. So that's kind of, you know, where the, the current day stands. So they're kind of living in that perpetual state uh, of existence. Now, what... Disney has done is because Batu and Black Spire Outpost didn't exist until they announced Galaxy's Edge. And so in the three or four years since it's been announced, Lucasfilm has done a great job of incorporating Galaxy's Edge into the universe. So a lot of the novelization of um, different Star Wars stories, the novelization of the movies have made mention to Black Spire Outpost mm. or Batu. Um, they actually made a mention in the Han Solo movie to one of the, to one of the characters, um, uh, to one, one of the characters who, who has one of the, the merchandise shops. Um, so Doc Ondar. So they made mention of him in it. So they're tying it in that way. And apparently, uh, I read somewhere that one of the novelizations about the, the prequel trilogy made mention to Anakin actually visiting Black Spire Outpost looking for Padme. Mm. So they're kind of going back and tying it in and, you know, and, and making it seem like it has been existed the whole time. So some of your char- favorite characters have been there and kind of tying it in. So I, I thought that was a really good job of how they're doing that, I think. And again, maybe episode nine, they visit there. Uh, I'm not sure. Nice. I, I just I appreciated your, your combination of future and past tense at the same time has been existed. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was that was that was spot on. Thank you. So, getting now more into some of like the the details there. I think what you know what's interesting is getting into some like the merchandise and shops. Yeah. So, again, to your point, Disney's got to make their money back quick. So, what better way to do that than selling tons and tons of merchandise? Mm-hmm. So, They're going to do that for sure. So, the the center of town is kind of all these shops. So, it, it has a very marketplace type vibe it's not going to be you know your traditional disney gift shop uh all of these shops are again kind of the idea is you know there's some alien proprietor of them right they're selling handmade goods it's not going to be star wars on everything so you have to in order to get galaxy's edge merch you actually have to go outside of galaxy's edge to get it so once you're inside the act that actual portion of the park it is as if, again, you have inhabited a foreign land and everything that you're going to get is a basically like a legitimate production of that land. Um, but it's not self-referential in that way 
Uh, so you're getting things like droids and lightsabers and things that they would actually be selling in a market marketplace in these places. Or even like it goes as far as um, there is a really this this is so cute. There is a place called Tord Tordarian Toy Maker Stall, and it's an artisan style like adorable plush characters that like somebody made with like little, I mean, they I don't will have say that, that is the one to, to your point of you're not going to get characters from Star Wars. This is the one place you will. Cause these plush toys are of, I mean, yeah, Rey. they're like Yoda. No, but yeah. These are of Ray and um, Kylo Ren and Yoda. But what's interesting is, yeah, but they're still, they still look like they're homemade in a way. Yes, they don't look yes. like they're produced in a factory. Well, because the backstory is that this is run by Zabaka. I think I'm saying that right. Z-A-B-A-K-A. Yeah, yeah. We apologize for all of our pronunciations. I think I'll events. be okay on most of them, but yeah, this one. I was apologize all. then. So, but but this is this is a character, and what the backstory is, is kind of like how we have, I don't know, this is probably a great example, but wrestling. We have wrestling action figures, or we have oh. action figures of, of our favorite um kind of heroes. So, so like the the Ruth ba- Bader Ginsburg action figure. Exactly. So how you have a Ruth Bader Ginsburg action figure, that's a perfect example. So So Yoda's kind of like youth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Exactly. So the, so Zabaka listens to the stories and legends that the kids are talking about and telling each other and then makes toys to sell them. So that's kind of the backstory. So that's why we have a Kylo Ren and a Ray. They have Kylo Ren for the bad kids who like the dark side. Like but, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's actually, it's actually a pretty cool looking plush. I don't think I saw that one. I saw the Yoda. He has his mask on. So it's, it's an interesting plush. Oh, yeah, yeah. Plush. You're, you're a fan of the mask. Exactly. And so, yeah. So it's, but it's an interesting way. Because like you said, there's not going to be anything that says Galaxy's Edge or Star Wars on it. But yet they still found a way to incorporate some things characters you want to buy bb8 or something but make it so that it actually fits mm-hmm. you know because you could see that in the star wars universe them making a luke because i mean in episode seven it was a myth you could see them mm-hmm. making some sort of toy for luke or a toy lightsaber because you know they hear stories of the jedi so uh it, it's pretty interesting but yeah i mean as far as all of these other shops go and we'll kind of walk through some other ones i mean you mentioned uh the droids so uh Mun- mumbo's Droid Depot. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to, to buy... Hey, Mumbo, Mumbo Italiano. You'll be able to buy some uh, pre-built droids <laughs> as well. But the idea of this is... And you get to pick your own series. You can build from the R or the BB or, series. Yeah, R, R or the BB. So, but, but you build your own. Yeah. So it's kind of like a conveyor belt full it's of It's basically parts. the subway of droid building. Or the Blaze Pizza. The subway. As we like oh, to. oh, Subway. Like the Subway sandwich. <laughs> I think about like Subway... Like transportation. Yeah. No, no, no. I was like, that doesn't no, make sense. Everything relates back to food. Right. Okay. Everything. We'll get to the food in a little bit. <laughs> so, but yeah, so so you kind of create your own. They are maybe like a foot tall. Um, so they're, they're, they're small. They're, they're remote controlled. You can customize them and then you can buy different like programming chips and upgrades, I think, to kind of change what they can do and their capabilities. Hmm. Um, I want to make one that's big enough that I could ride it. No, they're li- that would be a little pretty cool. They look a little plasticky to me. Like they don't look, I don't think I saw any pictures. Yeah. I mean, they look nice, but they don't look like a super high quality, which I guess is expected. I don't imagine this is probably going to be a super expensive right. price point type thing. But what's interesting about these is, so the remote controlled, but they interact with other droids and then the environment. 
Right. So they're kind of like the Harry Potter wands, like the new ones that they made. The interactive where they wands, right. inter- Yeah, they, you can do different spells in um, Universal Studios. Yeah. So, so, I mean, even though they have a lightsaber building thing, too, it seems like these are really the replacement for the Harry Potter. Like, they're, they're the... They're, they're the interactive comical. wands, yeah. yeah. So I think I think you can you can point these to the interactive wands and also the banshees at uh, Pandora because the banshees are kind of like small little interactive figures that sit on people's shoulders and those have been selling well. So they have these droids that interact with the environment. The one thing I did hear, uh, and this was on the the Disney Dish podcast, um, they talked about this because this is one thing I thought about too with all this merchandise is how are you going to hold it all. If you're buying yes. a droid, if you're buying a lightsaber, how are you going to hold it? The, the one thing they were talking about is that the droids aren't actually meant to be used in the land remote control wise. Oh. So that they'll, that they'll be selling potentially like a backpack. So you can wear the droid on your back. Uh-huh. And then that way, it, you know, and if it walks past and alerts you, it'll you, you'll hear it beeping. But they don't want, you know, so you everybody rolling foot? around. Yeah, it's like about like a foot tall or so. So I'm trying to think of how big a foot tall. Okay, so that's a that's a that's a like, like a, a sheet a of paper, like a sheet of paper. Because I'm thinking like you know those Disney backpacks that they sell. It's not going to fit in one of those. Like Wait, the I, one that I have. The I think you got me for my I, birthday. Yeah, I, I mean it may because you want it sticking out. I think they're going to make it so you kind of carry it. And it's it's up next to kind of your head, alerting you what's going on. But the idea is they don't want you remote controlling a oh, droid through the sure. street. Through the street, so. you take somebody's legs out. Yeah, but I just I mean. Which makes sense because, again, like I said, how are you going to carry all of this stuff around with you? Because you're not going to have bags and things. So that that's the Droid Depot. Um, the other one, and this is kind of you know more on, along the lines of like a stuffed animal or a plush, is Bina's Creature Stall. And so the idea here is not that you're buying a stuffed animal, but that you're buying an actual pet. So these are you're, these are stuffed animals, but they have sound. So if you pet the one, it it uh, you know, kind of purrs and, and will move and things. So the idea, yeah. So the idea is that they're that they're actual pets. Now they're going to have life size animatronics of some of these in the shop. I was going to say for for purchase. No, obviously you can't buy those. <laughs> but that but that's the idea is that you're going into a pet shop to buy it. So again, it's a way for them to kind of sell stuffed animals and things. But say this isn't really a stuffed animal; it's a pet you're buying. Which yeah. I think is an interesting take. They really thought of a lot of stuff to kind of keep you enveloped in the world and so not let it break through. So they're gonna be interactive, like a hat, like a hat, like you know, our generation Furby or like these kids that are growing up now, kind of like a, a Hatchimal. No, it, it kind of sounds like just or, as you as you squeeze it and pet it, it will move or make a noise. It doesn't sound like it's anything too advanced. It seems like it's a stuffed animal with just a, with. That makes a sound if you squeeze it or, or something okay, so like that. so this is targeted mostly at kids. Right. But it's made just, it, again, it's made to be just a little enough lifelike that you could say it's a pet, yeah. not a stuffed animal. I would suggest that Disney make bath toys, though. Because, again, I, I mean, we Do just Do they got... bathe in the Star Wars galaxy? <laughs> They're pretty dirty in all of them. But thinking about, like, how it would be a lot of fun to play with BB-8 and the, or, or, you know, or whatever... In, in the I don't bathtub. think droids like water. So moving on, the um, the last two shops that were at least talked about. I'm not sure if there's going to be more, but uh, we there's mentioned we mentioned him earlier was Doc Ondar's um, Den of Antiquities. Yeah, so he is kind of a black market dealer. So again, th- he was mentioned in Solo, and he's kind of the guy that if you have 
something maybe potentially illegal that you want to sell or that you want to trade, you know, you're looking for a rare collectible type thing. He's the guy you go to. Mm. Um, now the concept artwork for this looked pretty amazing. I mean, it looked like a, a massive store, you know, maybe 20 foot tall ceilings just filled with, um, with items and collectibles and things. So it should be pretty amazing yeah. to see. And there's an, I think there's an animatronic in there. Is it, it sounded like there's an animatronic I think, in there I think also. Doc on Doc. Yeah, yeah, Doc at his he, desk. He's taking in inventory and calls. Kind of yelling and at people. Barking and orders. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. So that actually, I mean, it sounds interesting. I think that I would like to go in there. To me, it kind of sounds like a bunch of like... Things that Maria Kondo would frown upon, things that you know don't bring you joy, but you get them home, and you're like, oh man, what did I spend all this money on this for? But it seems like a cool place to visit and check yeah, out. This sounds like this is going to be the place that if you want collectible items, right. this is where you go to. Like, like they'll sell, I think, like replicas of some lightsabers, you know, like higher quality items. You maybe like that you put in a display case or something like that. And there's definitely a lot. A lot of the pictures and the merchandise they showed were like statues and things like that. Um, so it is some of that stuff, but it, it does seem like, you know, maybe you're higher collectible. Like if you wanted to buy a, a stormtrooper helmet, I don't know if they're going to sell those there, but they sell those um, at the star Wars merchandise stores. Now, maybe you could buy that there, mm-hmm. something like that. And then the, the last place is uh, Savi's lightsabers. What's interesting is the sign is not in English and you have to translate it. And we'll kind of get to this later when we talk about the Disney play app, but there's a translation aspect to it. And the backstory is here is that uh, Savi is supportive of the resistance. And so he's building lightsabers for four sensitive people to help the resistance, but he has to do it in secret. (laughs) So nothing about his storefront says lightsabers, nothing about the, the sign when you translate it says lightsabers because he doesn't want the first order kind of knowing what he's doing. But this is, and kind of, again, there's a lot so of... So they hand you like a Spark Notes like manual when you ha- walk into this park so that you know what's going on? Or you just have to do all this research before? No, and and that's something I wanted to bring up. I mean, we can, we can talk about it now, but we've mentioned this before of how Disney kind of builds their theme parks, at least in, in recent years, and they're starting to do this more and more, on they build different levels in. So there's kind of the first time you can go to the park, ride the rides, see the characters, have a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and not realize that there's you know, you don't need anything else there to have a good time. That but makes then sense. Yeah. but then if you go back, you you realize, hey, there's Keys to the Kingdom tour. There's Behind the seats, or there's tours I can do. Um, then you realize there's basically there's enough stuff to keep you coming back. Right. So every but, time but there's a different time, level exposed. Right. And if you so want to go to this park, if you want to see more, you can you can go in the levels. And Galaxy's Edge is no different. There's so many. To your point, you could go in and just kind of walk around and just look around and enjoy it, or you could do a lot of this research and then dive down deeper. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I, I was, as I was reading, it was, they were bringing up different Easter eggs and different things that are included in there that if you're, you know, a real Star Wars junkie, you'd pick up on that right away. But if you're not, um, there are things that as you go and you're like, wow, this is cool. And I, and you might look it up afterwards, you'll realize, oh no, I missed this and this and this, and then it won't make you want to go back. Right. 
But so so going back to to Savi's, so again, all the parallels kind of between this and and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, this is kind of like the Ollivander show. So this isn't just a you walk in anytime you want and get a lightsaber. You have to sign up in advance. It's you know, 10 or 15 people go in at a time. That's smart that you have to sign up in advance, though. It's nice that well, they you won't have to wait out in the sun and get sunburned. You may still have to wait out in the sun, but um, but yeah, but it, it's an experience. So it's a custom build-your-own-lightsaber experience. So kind of how the wand chooses the wizard show of Ollivanders. Now, that's only one person. Everybody else just watches. This is everybody kind of goes on their own journey to build their lightsaber. So you pick out your kyber crystal. You work with... Um, kind of Savi's workers and they they kind of go with you and, and you determine you know what you're looking for so they have peace and justice which is kind of like the Jedi thing they have power and control which is more you're Sith, talking about the, oh, dark yeah, side. the so these are crystals. Kyber crystals yeah, yeah. so they have uh, elements in nature which are more natural elements and then protection and defense so those are kind of the four different types of crystals you can get and then the crystals are also detachable from the lightsaber and you can put them in a holocron cube, which is something else they sell. Mm-hmm. And then you can hear the lessons of former Jedi that play out of that, depending you, on your crystal. Did you see any pictures of what these crystals look like? Like, are, are they meant to look like a quartz or? Um... I didn't see any pictures of these, but from like the movies of the Kyber crystals, yeah, they're they're kind of like a quartz yeah, type that, thing. That's interesting. So they they'll probably be making them out of glass or oh, i imagine they're probably plastic or plastic something. yeah because they're yeah. going to have some sort of because again with these holocron cubes and it's kind of a cube the different crystals have different teachings of old jedi masters or old sith masters in them so which one do you think you'd get so i imagine there's probably some sort of like usb type thing in there well i'm definitely getting the sith i mean i'm definitely going uh red lightsaber so so you pick your kyber crystal and then again there's four colors so there's green blue Jedi red and then uh, Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson purple. Yes. Uh, so, but yeah, so it sounds like it's going to be a really good experience of, you know, it's a show and an experience and these are like legitimate lightsabers. So I'm not sure if they are a hundred dollars or 150, but the price I saw was $109 for the hilt and 40, $50 for the blade. So I don't know if then that means it's like a hundred and, Sixty dollars for both, or it's a hundred, hundred and ten dollars for the whole thing. But it's somewhere around that price range, which to me does not seem that expensive. Huh. I mean, for a custom that's lightsaber, gonna, I was gonna say that's gonna price a lot of people out, though. I don't know because it, it's really. I think at a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars, I think a lot of the Star Wars fans will pay for. Yeah, it. you're you're hardcore, but I'm just saying, like, you're not gonna be fighting children for it. Like, right. parents, parents aren't gonna be taking their kids in there to do that. I imagine some of them will, but. Some will, but yeah. it's not it's not going to be those retractable lightsabers that you see. I mean, this the blade of this is always extended. Now I, I hear it's detachable, so you'll be able to take the blade out. So if you want to just carry the hilt, you know, in your costume, um, you could do that. And so you can transport it home, right? And you can transport it home, um, but it's not going to be put in re- your carry on. It's not, yeah, it's not going to be retractable. But that's the other thing. So I'm not sure. There's some sort of you know outfitter store. I mean, they have legitimate Jedi outfits that you can buy. Um, I mean, it's it's some of the nicest merchandise outfits I've seen. It, it reminds me of the Hogwarts robes that mm-hmm. a lot of people buy at Universal. 
I mean, it's seeing the different outfits that you could get um, to, to dress up as a Jedi. Like, I was yeah, just like, it, I want to go looks, and buy that. It looks really cool, and it looks like the clothing might, is is buildable in the way that, you know, if you wear, you, you can get a uh, dress, and then you can, you know, put a scarf over top of that. It looks like they have, you know, you can buy a dress, and then maybe you could actually wear that dress out in life, but then they also have, like, hoods that, that go with that that you can pair and um, make your own outfit to wear there, but then you can wear pieces of it outside, which really appeals to me. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think overall with the merchandise, Disney did a great job because looking through it, I see that I'm going to be spending a lot of money buying a full Jedi <laughs> outfit and buying a lightsaber and probably my own droid. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. mean, they, it, it looks... Can you imagine It's very how high quality. It's very it high quality. It would be to be a clothing designer working for Disney in, in like brainstorming this. Well, I imagine they probably just went to Lucasfilm and used whoever designs the clothes for the movies. Well, yeah, I guess and it's just true. probably just piggybacked off of that. Yeah, but it, I'm just thinking it would be fun to see it. That would be fun to see your fashion out on the streets and not just in a movie. I mean, it's cool to see it in a movie, but yeah. also have it be accessible to the public. There are a couple more little stand-ups, too. I don't think that they're big sh- shops, but they have the resistance supply and also the first order cargo which are little places where they sell, like the resistance supply, they sell badges, hats, and pins to show that you're supporting that particular cause. But at the first order cargo, they also sell caps, gear, model ships, pins, and that will be where Joe's shopping. Definitely, yeah. I I have my eyes on the black Jedi robe, red lightsaber, and a droid. So do you think that you'll get fired immediately whenever you wear it to work, whenever we come back? Because I, oh, I, won't, I, don't, I would not. I can't see you wanting to take it off. <laughs> no, I'll definitely take it off. You'll just come home from work every day and just immediately get dressed. Like you'll be like that get kid. My lightsaber out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll play the uh, the Star Wars uh, VR. I got the lightsaber challenge headset. I'll actually have a real uh, Jedi outfit. I'll be good to go. So, <laughs> All right, so we want to roll into the food next. Sure. Sure. The food, as Joe was mentioned earlier, the food in Galaxy's Edge looks incredible. It doesn't look, it's not your typical food that you might get out in the park. It's not hot dogs and hamburgers. Everything that they've released looks just utterly incredible and and otherworldly. I mean, they've taken typical foods and they've reformed them and made them into something that they, so that they look like they are you know, other animals that don't exist on earth, but they basically taken our ingredients and, and form them into something else. Yeah. They kind of did what they did with Pandora where they, they say, Hey, this is an alien landscape. We're not going to have Mickey pretzels and nachos and hamburgers here. We're going to have interesting and, and unique looking food. And, and it, you're right. I mean, it's not a normal, theme park menu and everything has very interesting and unique looks to it. Right. So, um, the I, I pulled a quote from online that said, and I just thought it was a really interesting quote to just to kick off the talk about food with and it's the flavors in galaxy's edge and dock bay docking bay seven are going to be very bold. A lot of spice forward said Brian Pizeki culinary director of concept development at Walt Disney World Resort. And as soon as I read that, I was just like, yes. Uh, because, I, I mean, the the bold flavors and the spice forward, like this is the kind of food that I want to eat. I want to eat something where I'm just like, 
you know, this isn't bland. This isn't, um, I, I, I can imagine that I feel like you might have a hard time eating here, but for me, that sounds like a dream because I, I like those interesting flavors or I, I mean, even the things I'm like, I can't tell if I like it or not. Um, this just sounds like it's a, it's a really interesting flavor adventure. Right. And then just stepping back one second. So a so you mentioned docking bay seven, that's one of the restaurants and then they also have. It seems like it's their. They also have their uh, creme de la creme, like. I no, I don't think so. The, they it's have a lot of their their big their big ticket items. Well, they also have um, um, Rondos. Uh, Rondo Roasters, which is um, kind of more of like a quick service. That's an out outside. Yeah, they um, have a bunch of thing, places, and that's pretty small. And then um, the Cantina, that's mm-hmm. kind of the main um, signature restaurant. That's going to be kind of your your main sit down restaurant. There. So those are kind of like the three uh, main eateries. Yeah. So uh, at the cantina. I think Docking Bay 7 is going to be like a quick service. That's more of a quick service restaurant, whereas the cantina is kind of your sit down uh, experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So at the cantina, they have these amazing looking drinks, both alcoholic and not. And you can get your blue milk here, which I'll talk about in a minute. But uh, I feel like. You know, in order to do these justice, I would describe them to you. But in order to do these justice, you really just have to look at the pictures online because they are um, they are in these really cool shaped drinking vessels and the colors are out of this world. They're somewhere between like super cool and appetizing, but also like they're so bright that it kind of like your brain says it must be poison and you might not want to drink it. But um <laughs> It's like strikes a really interesting balance, but they look really cool. And it looks like they, they utilize some things like uh, the little bubbles from bubble tea and they put those in some of the drinks so that it gives it that kind of like weird alien, like, Oh, those alien eggs. I don't know. It, it just, they're, they're very interesting looking. So um, yeah, it's definitely a place that I, I'm going to want to check out, but at docking bay seven food and cargo, they have Fatro and Moof juice. And they also have really good sounding food, like braised shack roast, which is pot roast with cavatelli pasta, kale and mushrooms, and shock. Uh, Kale's shack. right up your alley. Yeah, as I say, everything. There's there. a couple of things with kale. Rondo Roasters has a a wrap, I believe, with with kale and, and some other things in it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but shack is a beach ball shaped herd animal found in Naboo. So they, they have, I, whenever you're looking this up, it's really interesting because like it tells you, you know, what it actually is versus what it's supposed to be. Um, and they have smoke kadu ribs, which is barbecue pork ribs with blueberry cornbread, which sounds amazing. I hope they make a gluten-free version of that. Um, and a kadu is a, a basically a featherless ostrich looking creature that the Ganga or the Gungans ride. Gungans. Gungans. I yeah. I never saw that movie. In so the Jar Jar was. Yeah. I, oh, is that what he? Okay. He saw Jar Jar Binks. Oh, that was, was good. A, he was a Gungan. Oh, okay. Uh, and then they also have d- these really good looking desserts. Uh, they kind of look like truffles, and the presentation of them is top chef worthy. I can't imagine that they're gonna continue looking that good whenever you're getting served them because. They look incredible. That in the Florida photos. sun and heat. I think, oh yeah, tends to ruin you know some desserts. And oh things. yeah, but they have chocolate cake with white chocolate mousse and and this is the part where you that loses you, coffee flavored custard. Okay. But I think that I don't I know. That sounds good though. I was that say, sounds pretty good. I think you might be able to do it because chocolate and coffee have a very similar and taste and their two fla- flavors are compatible. So I think that you might. We'll definitely have to try that. Right. 
And uh, they also have a raspberry cream puff topped with passion fruit mousse. So that sounds interesting and pretty good. Um, those are the two things I joked about earlier where Entertainment Weekly joked and said that they didn't really fit into the universe and they don't appear anywhere else, so they're still working on the backstory for those. Okay. So, um, and then there's Ronto, uh, Ronto Roasters, which is mostly bar- barbecue. Now, this is interesting because this is going to be right kind of out in the middle and they have an old um, pod, pod racer, racer engine flipped over and they've turned that into a grill and there's going to be a robot, an animatronic cooking this food all the time yeah he's a former smelter droid and he is basically turning the meat and complaining about his job the whole time uh and so i think this is going to be really interesting because of course there's going to be lines there everywhere so it'll be fun to just have something to do while you're waiting in line for your food listen to this guy just complain well that's and that's the thing you know that a lot of these articles have said is there's going to be experiences at every turn. So if you, to your point, if you're waiting in line for the food, there's going to be an animatronic complaining about his job. If you're going to a shop, there's going to be animatronics. There's, there's going to be story beats everywhere. You don't have to just be on a ride or trying to do a character meet and greet in order to be entertained. You know, there, There's going to be... Easter eggs for you to find and story beats for you to be a part of throughout the whole land to constantly keep you entertained. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it sounds, uh, it sounds like it's going to be almost like an overload of just incredible experiences everywhere. Um, they also have the milk stand, which is where again, they serve the blue milk and the green milk. Yeah. And so, and what I, and both of these are non-dairy. Yeah. They're plant-based, they're, plant-based. they're rice ma- milk. And so, or basically rice milk. And so it's supposed to kind of be like a smoothie. The blue milk is, it's a sweet, it's berry and melon. And the green milk is lemon and citrus flavor. Right. And they're more but they're like essentially frozen, the same thing. It's yeah. more of like a kind of a frozen drink. Yeah. I think they will have uh, just a chilled blue milk as well. So it's kind of, they'll have like a frozen and then an unfrozen one, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's a chilled one. But yeah, but this is, they're going to have a frozen, so it's kind of like a, a smoothie. This sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'm interested. I definitely think that, I want to try the the blue milk whenever I go there. I'm more of a berry melon kind of person than I am a citrus person. So th- that definitely sounds I would agree with that. I think I'd like the berry. Yeah. And then there's also Cat uh, Saka's Kettle, which is the popcorn shack. Yeah, and- what's... I mean, I find this fascinating that they they figured out a way to get popcorn into the land. This is the one thing where I said it's not traditional theme park food, that they did get in popcorn, but they did it in such an untraditional way Right, it fits perfectly. Yeah, they they said that they're combining savory, spicy, and sweet flavors, and I can't wait to try this. Well, it's purple, too. Well, yeah, yeah, the picture is purple, red, and, and like, you know, normal popcorn color, and they're all blended together, and it looks so cool and appetizing i'm interested to see how well they sell um i think purple is a color that probably will sell okay but like the green milk for example or not green the blue the blue milk blue is so like it's one of those colors that automatically turns you off to wanting to eat but it's a star wars thing they will sell so much of that people will like it but i'm just saying in general like the psychological parts of it like you know, you're not you're supposed to paint your dining room blue because it, it's not as an appetizing of colors like reds and oranges and yellows and stuff. But yeah, this popcorn stand sounds so interesting. And of course, I can't I love anything spicy. So I'm stoked to try spicy popcorn. 
so yeah, I, I, I just think that the, the food in this land sounds pretty great. Um, not a ton of details yet. I, I'm interested to know, you know, what kind of, of course, food accommodations they'll make. But I mean, it seems like they've already built some of them into the, the blue milk and the green. Yeah. Milk. They made a conscious decision to do non-dairy to make it, you know, as open to as many people with different allergies as possible. Right. So. And I, I would imagine too, the things that like a lot of the different foods that come with, you know, some sort of bread, there's a very easy gluten-free option that they'll swap right. it out for. Now, the one thing you didn't mention was the cantina. Oh, so that, that's the last. Um, well, I did mention the cantina. I just said that they have a bunch of interesting, um, I don't have anything about the food there. Again, so yeah. So again, this is kind of the, the sit down signature restaurant. Um, so it, it's the, it's the cantina. What is it? Oga's? Oga's. Oga's cantina. Oga's cantina. Yeah. Oga's cantina. And so this is kind of, you know, the main restaurant Rex from the droid from star tours. Yeah. The one that they replaced with C3PO is the DJ. He's there now. It's actually voiced by, um, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. So he's the DJ and he plays like a three hour loop of music. So he is there in the background playing. This is the cantina from Star Wars. So a lot of people are going to want to go there. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, so I'm not sure that necessarily the food is going to be anything different, but it's kind of the signature. It's the sit down restaurant if you want to go eat there. Whereas Docking Bay 7 is more of a quick service. You, you'll be able to sit down, but it's more of a quick service restaurant. Uh, and then Ronda Roasters is just basically kind of like sandwich, like wraps and things um outside so yeah so i mean just again i mean and the food it to your point i mean the presentation of it they they did they built off that pandora where it's an alien vibe to it um but it's still you know familiar enough that you're gonna want to eat it it's not so far out there yeah exactly so So after we talk about the food i think we should talk about the rides because you know that just seems like a logical progression well i was gonna say i think you know we've we've gone pretty far uh, on this episode, so I think maybe we we have because we have a lot to talk about with the rides and how you're going to interact with the and, land yeah, on the, the Disney, Disney play, play app. app. So I think we'll we'll save that for next week because we you know, we really hit a lot uh, this week. So we'll save that for next week. How's that for a tease? A that's, little that's bit of a hook to keep you listening. So <laughs> thanks everybody for listening this week. Uh, make sure you check in next week for kind of the second part of our Galaxy's Edge preview. We'll we'll see you next Monday. And remember, have have a magical magical day. day.